Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. Welcome to Strange Familiars. I'm your host, Timothy Renner, and my co-host is with me, Allison. How are Hello. you doing? How are you doing tonight, Allison? I'm well. If you've seen something strange, something unusual, like a cryptid, a ghost, a UFO, if you have an experience with something paranormal and you want to share your story, you can email us, strangefamiliarspodcast at gmail.com. On tonight's show... We have two guests. The it's first, a creature double feature. 
<laughs> it is. It is. Without the creatures, though. Oh. It's a flannel man, ghost, and shadow person double feature. I think that still counts. Our first guest is going to be Chamber from the Wrecked podcast. He heard us when we were on Monsters Among Us doing our little flannel man bit. Mm-hmm. And he had a flannel man story. Very interesting flannel man story that he's going to tell us. Does this add another f- color of flannel to the flannel canon? I think so. I think this is the first white flannel we've gotten. I don't think we've gotten a white flannel before, but I could be wrong. Our listeners probably know better than me <laughs> at this point. After we hear from Chamber, we will be talking with Zoe, who has stories about ghosts and shadow people, including a really creepy nun, like a sleep paralysis experience where she saw a nun in a place where nuns used to reside oh and also the the proper pronunciation that i always stumble over of a library (laughs) (laughs) yes and we'll let her pronounce that (laughs) but now let's hear from chamber and his flannel man story Oh, you know what? I didn't even add. What's the name of your podcast again? I, I you said it somewhere. It's, it's Wrecked Podcast. Wrecked. R-E-K-T, yeah. Oh, I, I, have I seen that? That sounds familiar. It, I mean, it's pretty niche. Like, it's um, it's a, a cryptocurrency podcast. If So if you're into, like, Bitcoin and stuff, maybe you have. But uh, for the most part, it's, it's usually what we recommend people that are kind of dipping their toe in, that aren't looking for, uh, you know, some some computer hacker to explain to them what's happening we're we're a little bit more uh reverential and uh <laughs> a little a little bit more funny uh so we we just kind of touch on the topics here and there but we're more of a comedy podcast slash cryptocurrency podcast oh cool so cryptocurrency in my world i i imagine it is um bigfoot and mothman and like dog man and a chupacabra playing poker and that exactly and that's what they use as currency (laughs) well it's so funny because uh before i even like got into like cryptocurrency and bitcoin and stuff i was i've always i think since like probably i was six or seven years old i picked up like a like a bigfoot book at at my local library and have been just absolutely involved uh as far as you know watching everything i can consuming all the media that i can consume uh and just listening to stories and podcasts and stuff so when i got into crypto like crypto like like you said like that's crypto you know crypto uh is is you know kind of that side of it and then so when i would google stuff or when i would you know search stuff on twitter i would get uh i would get a mix of those two things so i always thought it was kind of funny but uh yeah no my my heart is in the paranormal and that on uh, the you know the cryptid side of things but uh my paycheck uh is uh, unfortunately on the cryptocurrency side of things <laughs> <laughs> that's fine maybe uh off air you explain to me and give me some pointers or something because <laughs> i'm completely lost sure. when it comes to all that so we're talking with chamber from wrecked podcast that's and you heard about strange familiars from the monsters among us segment we did yeah yeah so i'm a big podcast guy i listen to just kind of a a real a real collection of different stuff but my my three favorite things uh, are like i mentioned you know bitcoin cryptocurrency anything in the in the paranormal realm i'm i'm heavier on kind of like bigfoot sasquatch stuff but you know 
obviously ghosts and stuff like that too is very interesting to me uh and and the los angeles lakers and those three things basically consume my podcast uh playlist and uh i had started listening to monsters among us probably four or five months ago it was, you know, great show. I like the idea behind it, how, you know, people just kind of call in yeah. as a podcaster. I'm like, this is great. This is a great way to put together a podcast. Oh, you yeah, don't, yeah. You don't have to talk for an hour. You just have <laughs> people call in and they'll just tell you your stories. Uh, so I thought that was terrific. Um, but, you know, on our show, you know, right around Halloween, we typically do some like spookier, um, some more fun stuff. Uh, you know, we'll draft our favorite Halloween movies. We'll tell you know, um, we'll get guests on to tell their stories of anything kind of paranormal that's happened to them because I always think that's interesting. And I do believe that, like, if you talk to somebody, if you're out and about or, you know, at a bar or at a party and you just ask somebody, like, anything weird ever happened to you, I would say, like, eight times out of ten, probably somebody has a story. Would, yes. would you agree with that? Like, you would know better than me. Absolutely. It's just right. a matter of getting them talking. Exactly. So I love asking that question. So, uh, again, just being a into the paranormal, into, you know, cryptids and stuff like that, literally all my life. Um, and kind of, you know, being aware of it and keep my eye open. I've literally only had kind of one event that's ever happened. And that's what I, what I wrote to you about. And, you know, I think it was either last October, the October before that I had told this story on my show where I, I live in Canada. Uh, so for those of you guys listening, uh, I was driving down the 401. The 401 is the major highway that kind of connects southern Ontario all the way to kind of through to Montreal. Uh, and like 70% of the population in Canada kind of lives on this stretch of road. So it's a very it's a very big highway. And basically, if you're, if you're getting anywhere in this part of the country, you're definitely taking this road. So we were coming back from visiting some, some family up north and I live in kind of the southern part of Ontario. So we're, we're taking the 401 um, kind of southwest. And we're in between kind of two cities where it's basically just farmland. And maybe there might be a rest stop kind of in the middle of it. But very, very little going on on kind of the side of the highway. And my wife and I are talking like we do. This is probably, what, 10 years ago, probably like 2010 or so. Um, I I was thinking about it today because I knew I was going to be talking to you. I don't necessarily remember the day or the month, but it was definitely nice. So we'll call it like late summer or pardon me, late spring, early summer, or maybe the summer, kind of that mm -hmm. May to August region, I would say, uh, where it was definitely nice on the road. It was a sunny day uh, and we're and we're heading back. And usually when we're seeing family, it's usually during that time anyway. So that's kind of what's leading me to think it's then. Um, and you know, we're chit chatting, it's just the two of us, you know, no kid, this is before we had kids. So it's just the two of us. We're chit chatting away in the car and there's a median that's divides kind of the, you know, the, the two sides of the highway, which is realistically probably three and a half feet tall, maybe four feet tall at the very most. And my wife and I are talking, we're talking, we're talking, and I'm in the fast lane, closest lane to the, this median. And we drive by and both of us notice this guy just sitting legs sprawled over the other side of the median and just kind of sitting there watching traffic. And, you know, for those, you know, people that live in my area that know the 401, I mean, you're doing probably 70, 75 miles per hour as a, as a rule. Um, so it's a pretty quick highway. Like I said, there was literally nothing on either side, just farmland. And, 
it was weird because we didn't like spot him and then kind of stared him down. We only really noticed it as we were kind of shoulder to shoulder with him. Mm -hmm. And we didn't really acknowledge it till probably, honestly, probably 10 seconds after. We're like, we kind of looked at each other like, was that, did you see that? And we both said we saw something and we kind of both said like, okay, let's like, what did you see? And we kind of both said at the same time and it was this guy sitting on the, on the median with his legs on the opposite side. So kind of, you know, strung over the other side and just watching traffic. And I said, well, what was he wearing? Cause I'm like, I had a pretty good description in my head of what, of what he was wearing. And she said the same thing I was seeing was kind of tight jeans and this, like flannel work shirt, like a white and black flannel work shirt tucked in, you know, kind of tucked into his jeans. And in my opinion, looked very out of place. Like this, again, this is probably 2010. Um, I I felt he looked like uh, maybe late, like uh, I would say out of the late 70s, early 80s. Like I'm thinking like, uh, what was that 90s movie that was really popular that had Matthew McConaughey in it? Um, <laughs> you know, like, all um, right, all right, yeah, all right. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. I'm trying to place the movie. <laughs> like, it looked like a character from that. Mm-hmm. So whatever, whatever, whatever time that is, um, <laughs> Dazed and Confused is the movie. There you go. Um, yeah, so it kind of looked like a character out of Dazed and Confused. And, yeah, so I, I remember turning back over and looking over my shoulder to see if there was, like, a car parked on the side of the road because there definitely wasn't one on our side. And I was kind of looking over to see if I could see like maybe a, 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 a broken down car on the other side because that would kind of explain maybe why you were sitting there. Mm-hmm. And I didn't see anything. My wife didn't see anything. So we basically came to the conclusion that there was only two answers. The first answer being some guy that, you know, worked at one of these on one of these farms literally, you know, trekked across a huge field, jumped the fence and then cross the highway where, again, the average speed is probably 70 or 75 miles per hour, and then sat in the middle of the road just to watch traffic. The other thing was it was maybe a ghost. And we were kind of leaning towards that. Like, oh, it's just like a ghost. Maybe some guy uh, died on the highway or, you know, back in the 70s or 80s. And that's what, you know, that's kind of what we settled on. Mm-hmm. Where your show comes into play is, like I said, you, you had mentioned earlier, we're listening to uh, Monsters Among Us. And literally, was I don't know when I emailed you last week or the week before. Like, So I, I literally emailed you as soon as I heard it. Uh, because you guys came on and started explaining the basically the legend of Flannel Man. And I, my heart sank and... Like ice was 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 rolling through my veins, and I, I'm like I was speechless. So much so that when I heard it, I listened to the whole thing, and then I waited until the kids were asleep. And I um, as soon as my wife came out of the room after putting uh, our daughter to bed, I, I played it for her immediately. And I said, "Just listen to this, and you just tell me what you think." And she had the exact same reaction. And she is not like a you know, overreactor, and and she definitely was affected by the legend. So I that's I I literally reached out to you uh, immediately after that because I needed to talk to somebody. I needed more information. Um, so I I listened to as much as I could. Can you kind of explain to me what I saw? Or oh my goodness, <laughs> I'm well, I'm at a loss for words. Essentially, I don't know is is the true answer. I I, I don't mm-hmm. know, but having collected at this point i don't know how many 
I couldn't believe it when when I first mentioned it, and I think I, in our segment on Monsters Among Us, we talked about this when I mentioned my wife had seen this, and then yes, the floodgates broke open, and if it was a slow trickle at first, where a couple people were like, "Hey, I've seen that too," or something similar, you know, I've seen right. this, and then when we did our first show on it, the you know kind of dedicated show, shortly after that, then it just broke open, and for a while there, I was getting like two, three flannel man accounts every week of people just contacting me saying i can't believe somebody else saw this i can't believe somebody else saw this and now correct me if i'm wrong your wife's uh the one your wife saw uh and the one apparently the one that i hear the most about is a bearded one is that correct yeah yeah like kind of your paul bunyan you know lumberjack right like a lumberjack kind of because that was the only thing i i don't believe mine had a beard Mm -hmm. and not all do and I, Again, most people see the you know, the red red plaid or red check shirt, but there mm-hmm. are other colors. The fact that you know you said like, well, it was white. I'm like, well, okay. yeah, like white and black checkered. Yeah, yeah. It's not to me. It doesn't rule it out. You know, because I've gotten yellow, right. and blue, and I think yours is the first white, uh, brown for sure. But yeah, I think yours is the first white when I've been told of. But it, to me, it's like it, at this point, colors less a factor right. than than anything else. It's like they're like Power Rangers at this point, right? right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> So but the the I, one thing I, I was going to say, mm-hmm. um, and I think I, I heard you say this in the show, was what I took away from it, and what I when I what I have been saying for years is the way he was kind of sitting and watching was eerie, obviously, but it really reminded me of. Do you remember that like '90s movie City of Angels with Nick Cage, where he's like an time. angel? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a long time ago. It wasn't a great movie, so I don't <laughs> don't fault you for not remembering. Um, not you know, not one of my better moments, but I remember this movie, and it was basically. I, I think the premise was, you know, there's this there's this angel, Nick Cage, and you know he becomes human so he can like date whoever it was. But the other angels and kind of the, the people don't see them, and they're there, and they're basically just sitting and watching, and and you know they're sitting on buildings. And kind of everywhere and you know the humans don't see them until you know they become human and that's what this guy really reminded me of i'm like it's just he's just eerily sitting there and just watching traffic go by and it was very off-putting yeah well there, there tends to be like two kind of formulas that happen and the mm-hmm. one is is like the my wife's thing like people will wake up and they're they're awake they're awake they're sure they're awake right you know sometimes they'll go get a glass of water and come back and then see the see them oh really but you know they'll wake up and they'll be there in the room with them and usually they're you know overwhelmingly they'll they'll describe it like my wife did it, it wasn't that he was particularly frightening it's just that he shouldn't have been there it was surprising right exactly that he there was shouldn't there. be a lumberjack in your room yeah yeah <laughs> that's fair so you have that sort of you know maybe hypnagogic experience where people are waking up and then seeing these things although like I said they in almost every case people are like no 100% I was awake you know this right. was not there was nothing dreamlike about this but then you have this other kind of a encounter which kind of matches up with yours where people will just see in an otherwise you know either weird situation or just out of nowhere a weird instance of just somebody in a place they shouldn't be wearing this you know a check shirt so weird that and, is so weird. I'm getting yeah. goosebumps right now when you say it. <laughs> yeah. And so people talk about, you know, I'm, I'm trying to uh, recall some. I know we had one where a guy was uh, sitting with a, 
you know, friend of his at a lake and just saw one, just saw a guy standing still, just watching him to the point where he said he thought it was a tree. He was standing so still and then got up and then, you know, got closer and looked at him and it became clear it was, you know, this guy in this check shirt and, uh, you know, kind of got weirded out. But he said he never moved the whole time. He was just standing there staring yeah. at him. Other people have had like some interactions with them. And know. so, do they speak now uh, with with your wife? Did did he speak at all? Is there any like warnings or, or any? No, no. She said he looked surprised that he that she was able to see him. Basically, that's that's kind of what she took from it. Like like, oh my gosh, she can see me, like that. So, so I've been thinking of like since since this has been on my mind for the last couple of weeks. Um, I don't know. Have you have are you familiar with twi- the show Twin Peaks? Uh, so I know there's a, there's a, uh, a, a lumberjack man, or I'm trying to think what they call him. There's a couple of them. Yeah. But yes, yeah. this is kind of, it's, it kind of reminds me of this too. They're kind of like interdimensional lumberjacks that kind of come and scare people. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's it. If you haven't yeah. seen that yet, I highly I, recommend. I, yeah. I have to do that because it's, it's very, there's a lot of the stuff wound into it and, uh, they are very by they, I mean the writers, I know it's David Lynch and, and, uh, another guy are very plugged into this this kind of stuff. It's very very interesting that they include that. Yeah, that is uh that is interesting. So yeah, I I, I would say for the last couple of weeks that has been top of mind. Mm-hmm. But the yeah, the feeling I got when I when I heard you guys talk about it, it, it was so strange. Like it, there's, you know, very few instances in your life where you're going to have stuff that kind of like shocks you to the core and that's what that was for me it was just like yeah you know i had this weird what i thought was you know i was kind of leaning to ghost but you know you kind of have to leave the door open for you know a reasonable explanation also yeah um but that was kind of it you know i was like 60 percent sure that this was like a ghost and you know that was and you know cool or something else like something on you know not understood and then when i heard your show i mean it was I'm like this is this is serious now. Uh, I have to talk about this um, because I I hadn't felt that way because I can think of one other instance where and maybe you guys, I haven't looked but maybe you guys have talked about this uh, in on your show in the past but a few years ago it was probably four or five years ago I would say my wife had asked me she's like oh um, like I was sitting on the couch and she's on her phone and she's like hey can you name me. Or how many? Why did she phrase this? She said, "How many Sinbad movies can you name?" <laughs> and I'm like, "I'm like, okay." So I started naming some off, and I said, "You know, he's he was the you know security guard, the one where he's a security guard for the president's kid." I said, "You know, there's um, whatever I said." And I said, "Then there's like the genie one." I'm like, "It's like Shazam or Kazam or whatever." I said, "I know there's the Shack one." But the, I said, like, you know how they have movies sometimes where one does really well and then there's like a second one that comes out to kind of piggyback the – Yeah. The, yeah, you know what I mean? I'm like, yeah, you know, it's kind of like one of those things where it's like, okay, w- I forget which one came first. But I said there was a, a Sinbad movie where he's a genie and then there's like the, the Shaq one where he's a genie. And she looks at me dead in the eye and she says, that's really weird that you say that because apparently the Sinbad genie movie doesn't exist. Right. And I'm like – what the hell are you talking about? Of course it exists. Like I grew up like next to a like a like a you know, you're you're a little older than me, but we grew up in like, you know, video rental days, right? Where right, you go sure. to the you know, yeah. video store and I said I saw it a, I saw it a million times at the video store. I would argue like it was right in my wheelhouse, so like 
like I'm in my kind of mid late thirties now, I would have been like 10, 12 years old in that. I'm like, I for sure saw that movie and I knew about it. Like, I mean, you just asked me what Sinbad movies I can name you. And I named you that one. And then she basically went on to tell me how there's this whole, you know, faction of people that recall this movie and apparently it does not exist and Sinbad's gone on the record. And I'm telling you, that shook me for days. <laughs> I was not right. I, I still can't answer that one. Uh, are you familiar with this uh, with this issue as the, well? The Mandela effect, yeah. The Mandela effect, yeah. yeah. Mm. Uh, uh, have have <laughs> <laughs> that one messed me up for it, maybe a week. Like I wasn't right uh, because I got you know I started thinking I'm like well what does it mean? And I had all these I had all these um, conspiracy theories in my head where you know maybe Shax was the second one and maybe they the 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 movie company basically bought out the rights and basically hid the Sinbad version <laughs> so Shaq could have you know the the genie movie uh, section all to himself or whatever and then. You know, then start people start talking about alternate timelines and inter you know different dimensions. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I'm like, okay, well maybe that's a thing too. So, but yeah, that I those are the two instances of my life where I was just like, my reality is is has changed a little bit. Well, the interesting thing is, let me go ahead and say I love all these flannel man accounts and I'll collect them no matter what they are. But uh, the ones the, <laughs> the where he's showing up at people's houses became sort of like I'll call that like the the type A account, right? right? Right. But the type B account, like yours, where people are just seeing them in weird situations, and and often I'll get them where people will say, like years will go by, and they'll say, you know, that night I saw Bigfoot. Earlier in that night, there was a guy in a flannel shirt I saw walking down the road. It was just I don't know why I remember him, but it was really weird. And it was like two hours before I saw Bigfoot. You know what I mean? Really? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, jeez. So, so get these I... like things where people are realizing, or they're like, I saw a guy in a flannel shirt, and then. You know, ten minutes later, I saw a UFO. You know, th- these kind of weird combinations. Interesting. Yeah, but, I don't remember anything else. I I don't because at the time, I th- again, I thought it was kind of a death that happened on on this highway. Mm-hmm. What I should have paid attention to because I think what I heard in one of your shows was this. Occasionally, it, it they'll people will see it before a disaster or before something bad happens. Does that sound right? Am well, I gonna, there, there's definitely a, a woman who gets precognitive stuff interesting she's seen him several times i think he touched her but the last time that she told me about and she may have seen him she's seen him so many times like oh yeah yeah, yeah. i I, i've heard this lately i've heard this lately yeah Yeah, yeah, maybe she's seen him since then but she it was a came along with a very a precognitive dream that was a had to do with a, a shooting i think uh Right, uh, wasn't it a, like a black church or something like that? Yeah, yeah, something yes, like that. I, I heard, I heard that story. Yeah, yeah, it's very, um, uh, very, very disturbing. So yeah, so, sometimes, but you know, mostly it just seems to be kind of out of nowhere, unusual stuff. You know, like where it's just somebody was like, it was really weird. This guy shouldn't have been here, but he was here, there, and he was wearing a check shirt. You know, right? Like, and again, I'm, I love this stuff, but I, I, at the heart of it, I'm a skeptic. Mm-hmm. And I'm a reasonable person, and unreasonable claims it doesn't fly with me, I, you know. And the more I dug into my, you know, <laughs> my circumstance and what what I was dealing with, the the reasonability just started floating away. It's like, <laughs> is it reasonable for somebody to like just sit in the middle of a highway where? A, there's no off ramp, so you would, like I said, it's this weird. You would need to take this weird tr- 
trek through a field and over fences and cross a highway and then just sit. And, and there's cops that, you know, that drive by all the time. And I'm pretty sure it's illegal to sit in the middle of a highway. Right. Yeah. Is, is it reasonable to think that that's just some dude? And that doesn't make that much sense. Um, and then, you know, if you're if if you're into ghosts and stuff like that, which, you know, again, I like the idea of it. And I like what I like getting, you know, watching scary ghost shows where people go in and, you know, uh, half the time or I would not even say half the time, 90 percent of the time. I'm not very impressed, <laughs> but, you know, occasionally you might get something. Oh, yeah, all right. That's kind of cool. Um, but, yeah, at the end of the day, I'm 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 a skeptic and, you know, I, I don't mess around in the in the mystical and the in the imaginary. Like I. I try to take away as many realities as possible before settling on the fact that what I saw was at best, at worst, very strange at most, maybe paranormal. Right. Um, Well, those accounts I've just come to love. And I don't know if you've, you know, know, I know you're kind of recent to strange familiars, but another thing that we kind of picked up was these bunny man accounts where people, what is this? (laughs) People are seeing, what appears to be normal humans mm-hmm. dressed in bunny suits. Okay. I'm outside involved. <laughs> of, outside of Easter. So this is not during Easter time. Yeah, exactly. So not, this, not your peak Easter months. Right. In just in weird places. And That's fantastic. I love these stories. In fact, one of my co-hosts heard me talking about it. And he, he had seen one about five miles from my house. He's driving down the road. He said, not around Easter. And he said, there's this guy sitting in a chair in the middle of a field in a bunny suit, just waving at passing traffic. And, and, and like an obvious bunny suit. It's, we're not talking about human sized rabbits, right? Right. No, like these, it's, it's an obvious bunny suit. These are, these, I'm, now there are some UFO accounts with giant rabbits and stuff. And, you know, I love those wow. too. But these are just, these just appear to be humans in bunny suits in really weird situations. Maybe parent, you know, is it paranormal? I don't know. It's just it's weird. Definitely odd. <laughs> yeah, but I, I absolutely love these stories. But these other flannel man accounts, like yours, they kind of almost fit in the same kind of niche where it's like, is it paranormal or isn't? If it's not paranormal, it's certainly really weird. It's weird for a person to be there, you know. Right. It, I, I, and again, no car broken down on the side of the road. Which again, if there was one, we wouldn't be having this conversation today. Mm-hmm. Like right. there, and. Again, I, I drive – I do a lot of driving for work and at the time, I was uh, like a rep for uh, for a company. So I, I don't know if you're familiar with these types of jobs but you're literally on the road every single day and I would drive by that site all the time and I still do. And I look like, – and it doesn't make any sense. There's no there's no off-ramps. There's, there's literally nothing. There's just like a little bit of forest – and some farmland, and that's it. Like, there's, there's no. It, it makes no sense that somebody should be there. And yeah, it was, and the, and the observing, because yeah, you would mention. I think I heard something. Yeah, like a, like a, like a Mothman kind of thing, right? And when I heard that, I'm like, maybe that's what it was. And like I said, I had always said it was just watching. And and when you said the guy, you know, across the lake was watching them, so that. That's interesting to me. That, that yeah, that, I don't know what that means. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I, 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 don't, I, don't I, I wish I had any kind of answer. You know, I, I, I wonder if they this... change every. I wonder if they change every hundred years. You know what I mean? Like uh, maybe maybe we're in the the century of flannel. Maybe a century ago was something else. <laughs> well, uh, I thought about burlap that. or something. I don't know. <laughs> it's definitely a, a fairly universal 
uh, set of clothes to put on. You know, a, right. fl- a flannel shirt and jeans. It can work from the it blends from the 1800s till now. You know, 100. percent And you don't seem terribly out of place. You know, work nope. boots and jeans and a, and a flannel shirt. So in that way, it's almost works like the Men in Black. You know, they have this sort of right. very universal, timeless kind of look to them. But uh, yeah, it, I just have this uh, image in my head of this just this line of people in some other dimension and they show up for work and they, they get on their uniform and it's these check shirts and they're just, <laughs> they're just time cards, you know, and then they're just phasing out. They just like walk through a door and, and phase into, you know, somebody's bedroom somewhere. And, you know, cause uh, it's definitely different as far as like facial features and, and height and everything. It's definitely different ones. People are describing different individuals, you know, it's not the same guy. That everyone's right. describing. Well, that's exactly it. That's what I was hearing from uh, from some of your shows. That yeah. it's not one guy right. because you know, it, yeah, like you said, it's it seems at least at the start it seemed like it was your stereotypical lumberjack bearded guy. Uh, and looking back, I, I don't remember. Like I know my guy was like a white guy. I would say for sure, like pretty confident. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But besides that, maybe like short dark hair. Like I don't remember like a seventies or eighties mullet or anything like that. Right. And I don't remember a beard. I, I mean, if I had to bet, I'd probably say clean shaven. But again, it was super quick. And the, the other thing too was it did seem like blurry is not the right word, but like I only caught it in my peripherals because we were talking to each other, mm-hmm. and I didn't see it coming. Like when you're driving on the highway, you see something coming, you kind of keep your eye on it, and you drive by it, and you observe it, and then you. You know, you kind of move past it. This was not that. This was talking, 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 caught something like literally as it was, you know, parallel with the car out of the side of my eye. And I'm like, and then it registers like, you know, a few seconds later, like there was definitely a dude just sitting there (laughs) watching cars go by. And that's where I make my big turn to look back to see if there was a car and, you know, not saying anything out loud. And I'm like, Looking at my wife, I'm like, "Did you see that?" And yeah, we we definitely corroborated. We're because we both like these kind of things. We're almost set up for like, okay, let's not say anything out loud. Let's mm-hmm. let's keep this as as scientific as possible without mucking up the works. You know what I mean? Right. Um, so and that that was one of those cases. Um, she had one actually. Uh, I think earlier this year, uh, I slept through. Uh, we were we were in, and again, she's not a big paranormal person. Uh, but we were in a cabin up in uh, the Rockies. We had rented this hundred-year-old cabin, Airbnb, by the way. It was fantastic. And you know, I think it was our last night. We were only there for a couple of nights. Our last night there, she said she woke up like somebody like she would tell it better. But I think it was something like 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 a breath on her face. Oh wow! And like I mean, I was out cold when sh- she woke up. She could hear like like uh like wood being cut outside like just outside of the of the of the cabin mm-hmm. and i mean outside of the cabin we weren't just by ourselves like there's like there was like a campground there too right um but this would have been like maybe four or five in the morning and she could hear it and then she would go outside and there's like she couldn't hear it she could only hear it from inside the cabin i'm like that's strange um yeah. so yeah she that that really messed with her too because like she was serious because like i woke up uh she didn't wake me up at the time but like when i woke up in the morning she's like you know, this happened, uh, and you could tell in her face, like she was, it was, it messed, it messed with her for sure. Mm. So I, I think those are the only, and again, we've been, we've been together like 20 years almost. 
uh, and have been into kind of paranormal stuff forever. And like I said, that's a handful of things, like like maybe two things at the very most. Plus, if you want to count the Mandela effect thing, <laughs> right? <laughs> but right. that's it. And we again, we're we're aware. We're we're always keeping our eye open. And you know, at best, we have two ghost stories and maybe a weird interdimensional Sinbad movie story. Uh, <laughs> Does she remember any more details about the the fellow on the median? Um, you know, we we've we've discussed like we were discussing it uh, over the last few days. I sent her without saying anything. I sent her the email I sent you. I said, "Did I miss anything?" And she read it. She's like, "No, that's that's." basically it Mm -hmm. um so i don't think she had any more input she she hasn't mentioned anything since but it was it was very quick um i you know like i said it probably occurred in the span of maybe 10 seconds where you know something was in a spot where it shouldn't have been and we didn't really notice until it was parallel with us so we kind of caught in our peripherals and you know we both described it individually and both basically saw the same thing and, you know, that was our ghost story for, you know, for the last 10, 10 plus years right. uh, until, until my wife's latest one. But um, like that was it. That was if you were to ask, you know, if you were to ask me anything weird ever happened to you, that'd be the only story I could tell you. And then, like I said, once once I heard that this the, my story might be part of a bigger, you know, uh, <laughs> a bigger portfolio of stories. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I thought that was super, super interesting. Um, but yeah, no, that's, that's basically it. I think it fits. I definitely think it fits. I'm, I'm, I'm counting it as the, uh, I don't know if, uh, the watcher thing is, I think is what, what sets it apart for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I listen to some of yours and I'm like, you're right. There is like an A, like a type A and maybe a type B. And I think mine's definitely in the type B, but the, it's just the eerie watching of the cars. And I wish I knew what data was because then maybe I could see if there was maybe a big accident because there's big accidents on this highway all the time. Did it coincide with, with a, you know, a big multi-car uh, accident on the highway? And I, I wish I knew that, which right. is, is really the only unfortunate thing because I just assumed it was a ghost. So I, at the time, I remember searching deaths on the 401 that happened in the past not looking for ones happening over the you know over those couple of days maybe right right so that's i guess that's my only regret unfortunately yeah well i would guess that you might not find anything just because i in my opinion it just kind of fits in with these other whatever these entities are you know that that other people are seeing then again i've taken some you know, these stories where people are, are sure it's, you know, it's Uncle Joe who died in the house who used to wear flannel shirts, you know, so right can't really argue against it. It's just very interesting that Uncle Joe uh, kind of fits this mold with, with the rest of these guys. <laughs> Maybe Uncle Joe uh, got a part-time job as a flannel man in uh, in the afterlife. <laughs> there you go. You never know. <laughs> yeah. We don't know what the job, uh, we don't know what the job environment is in the afterlife. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Well, but, uh, yeah. So, do you have any other questions for me? I, I feel like I, I, I've, I've soaked out the rag of knowledge. Yeah, that I no, that's I just I love these stories. I love collecting these stories. Like I said, I I love all flannel man accounts, but you know, as I will call them type B, where they're just popping up in weird situations and people are, well, maybe it was a real guy, but I don't know. But it sure was a weird situation. Those have become kind of my favorites just because they're they're in this weird zone. The same with the Bunny right. Man thing where it's just like... Bunny Man, I'm definitely keeping my eyes open for now. Oh, boy. Uh, I, it's I just, on the radar. I love those stories so much because they're just so weird. Like, like so freaking weird. We had one where a, a woman walked into a Walmart and saw, like, a little person in a Bunny Man suit 
that was all dirty. She said he looked like he dragged it out of a dumpster. Oh, and it, that's it creepy. Com- yeah, completely <laughs> weirded her out, it, it, you know, seeing him in, in this uh, store. And then I think he started walking towards her when she noticed him. And she just kind of, yeah. Yeah, any of, sort of dirty... Like any sort of dirty mascot costume is very creepy. Oh yeah, whether it be a little person or a regular sized person, that is very creepy. Absolutely, absolutely. Chamber, thanks so much for sharing your story. Where can we find hey, Wrecked? Uh, you can find Wrecked on where you can find podcasts. You know, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher. Um, you can check out our website at uh, wreckedpodcast.com. and we're also part of the CoinHQ.tv basically crypto content creator uh, network. So it's a 24-7 site that you can find us there too. Awesome. R-E-K-T. R-E-K-T. That's it. Podcast. I will make sure to put links in the show notes. Oh, terrific. I appreciate that. Sure. Well, we'll definitely, we're definitely going to be talking about this on our show. Um, so let let me know when uh, when the show's live. I'll definitely put it out there, retweet it, make sure all of our listeners hear it because they are chomping at the bit to uh, to to hear this these stories. Because I only get little little five minute clips uh, where my co-host lets me go on these rants. So <laughs> I really appreciate you letting me spread my wings a little bit. Oh, absolutely. Um, so. <laughs> So yeah, we'll definitely be talking about this on our show. So for sure. when you eventually see Bunny Man, you're welcome back. Oh, it's, make space I appreciate your first it. Stop. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. All right. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And we'll get back to the podcast in a few moments. Allison, I see you're wearing Sloom socks. I am wearing Sloom socks. Do you like the Sloom socks? I do like the Sloom socks. They're, oh, they're awesome, aren't they? Yes, they're, they're from the same people that we got the lovely scarves from. Yes, Sloom.com. They manufacture merino wool base layers. They sent us the Raven base layers, which are fantastic. They're soft and warm. If you are an outdoors person, wool is fantastic. Chad was here, he'd tell you. It's the best thing to Yes, he has told me about the different layers and about how people still hunt for vintage wool and how great wool is. These merino base layers are soft. They're comfortable. They're warm. Socks, sweaters, base layers. Check them all out at sloom.com. We love their stuff. They also have a large assortment of wellness products. We got the Zenbuni. I guess, is it Zenbunny or Zenbuni? I'm going to say bunny. (laughs) Zenbunny. The Zenbunny incense is the best incense I've ever smelled in my whole life. It's wonderful. Yeah. It's absolutely wonderful. Strange Familiars listeners can get 10% off at Sloom. Just enter the code Strange Familiars, all one word, and you will get 10% off. want to thank you, Sloom.com. We love your products. We definitely are wearing Sloom every chance we can get. S-L-O-O-M-B.com. Tonight we're talking with Zoe, who has a few different stories to share with us, including something about an Anubis creature, and then some shadow people, and some other things besides. Let's jump right into it. How are you doing, Zoe? I'm doing well, thanks, Tim. Thanks for having me on. Oh, thanks for coming on. Now, as specific as you're comfortable being, and if this can be state, town, locality, whatever, where did this happen, or, or did this happen in different places? 
the Anubis or shadow figures or? Well, whatever you want to start with. Well, most of my experiences take place in Massachusetts. That's where I'm from. And honestly, it spans pretty much the whole state. I mean, I've lived in Amherst and Boston and some places in between. So that's really where it's all taken place. I have some others that were kind of outside incidences, but mm-hmm. or it, but other than that, just, just Massachusetts-based. All right. So do you want to go chronologically, or, or how did you want to start? Um, I can start with the one that I sent you, the um, sleep paralysis, if you'd like to do that first. Yes, sure. Mm, that's that's probably the most intense I've ever had, so might as well start on a high note. Um, uh, okay, and when, when did this happen? This happened about 10 years ago when I was in high school. I went to a Catholic high school that was built pre-Civil War, so it's really a fortress of a place. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's huge. And my dorm, well, my, my senior lounge, this happened my last year of high school, was the old, the nun's dormitory when it was still a, when it wasn't a day school, when they had borders. Okay. And, yeah, so the, the setup of the senior lounge itself was a large room with smaller rooms off to the sides for some of the more senior nuns. And my friend and I were there in the morning when we had a free period. So of course we were asleep. And I remember facing her, we were both lying down on couches that were facing each other. And behind my head was one of the old nun dormitories, the single rooms that weren't really being used for anything. And I remember very distinctly, like, kind of looking up in half sleep and seeing silhouetted against a window in the room the outline of a habited nun. Now, this was odd because we had one nun left in the school, our principal, and she was not habited. So it took me a second to register what I was seeing, and then I felt the most intense pain in my spine I've ever felt in my life. So I was like, I was lying on the couch and I just felt my back arch and it felt like I was seizing. And mind you, I've never had sleep paralysis before or since. So as I was kind of in this state, this arched back state, I remember hearing my friend just shrieking on the other side of the room. And it was long enough. It could have been really between 30 seconds to a minute But I remember thinking, why isn't anybody coming? Because down the hallway were all the classrooms. So I was waiting for someone to come in and just break up whatever was happening. But as soon as it ended, it just all went still. And like I dropped, I remember flopping onto the couch and like bouncing on it. And I looked over and my friend was dead asleep. She wasn't screaming at all. And there was nobody else in the room. And I even got up and like checked the hallways, but no, nothing. So... That was probably the most intense experience I've had. Yeah, that sounds super intense. Did you, by any chance, tell the story on another podcast? It sounds really familiar. No, I post. I think the only other place I've posted it online was maybe Tumblr, but that would have been five or six years ago. No, was- I didn't. Maybe, maybe just the way you described it in your email was, you know, it sparked a, a vision or something because it's, it's, it seems very familiar. But maybe maybe it's just simply coming from your email. So did your friend have, uh, when she woke up, did she have 
any recollection of having a bad dream or anything or, or was her just, you know, for, for her part, was it just a normal nap? No, she was sound asleep. Um, I, and she wasn't writhing or anything. And she had told me previously that she just regularly had night terrors. Like she would have nightmares and mm-hmm. flail out. So it was odd that it was me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This one time. And I, I don't, I sleep like a rock most days. But that that room itself, I mean, there were some strange things that happened in there, and there was a a storage closet that was locked and no one was allowed into. So of course, high school girls, we you, that can go in any direction. But <laughs> the high school itself was very it, going back to the 19th century. I mean, there are nuns buried on the property. There's a cemetery there, so. And, and there were just things that would pop up, like stories of disembodied voices, people seeing nuns walking down the hallway when no one was visiting. So it, it was really not all that uncommon. Wow. Mm. And could you see any details in this figure at all? No, it was completely backlit, a silhouette. For people who grew up Catholic and going to Catholic school, the nun can be the uh, the embodiment of of uh, scary or th- the opposite. It really, you know, it depends on your experience. And for me, it depends on the particular nun in question, because I met some that were just total sweethearts and others that were very, very stern and very imposing. Mm, and it's interesting, too. I, I did not grow up Catholic. I the We just liked the school for the structure and mm-hmm. the education it provided. Mm-hmm. So I wondered about that, too, because I'm I'm definitely not. I was raised loosely Protestant, I'd say. And my friend was a complete atheist so i wonder if the oh, nun interesting kind of... interesting so there's none of that that none of that really played into the fact that you, you know it'd be different if like i saw a nun for instance like psychologically speaking right yeah no yeah. i i just thought oh it's i thought it was a bit because we would often see visiting habited nuns mm-hmm. but i uh now the later on i thought huh they, she probably just walked into her bedroom and there were two heathens sleeping in it and it's like uh, oh dear <laughs> so was this this was like a common area Yes, this was for the senior class, and I, I was a graduating class of about sixty. So that and that was fairly large for my school. Mm-hmm. It had just been the funny thing is it had just been refurbished by our class presidency. The whole student government had did it, and I really wonder if something had stirred that up. Oh yeah, that's very very common. Yeah, you know people doing uh, refurbishment and so forth. The one story they told us that there, the storage closet they covered in a chalkboard paint, and this was a rumor, but you know I don't count anything out. That one time during the summer when they were painting it, they came back and there were handprints all over the paint, as though someone had touched all the wet paint. Oh wow! Mm, and when I heard that, I, of course I was. A little bit creeped out, but, you know, who knows? Yeah, yeah, exactly. You had a shadow person as well, right? Yes, yeah. So my one and only shadow figure. So I've been working, well, I guess I guess after the, the big one is done, we can go chronologically. Just um, You may have heard my story maybe somewhere. I'm trying to think if I had told it to anybody else, because the thing is, I haven't really engaged with the paranormal community ever. Mm -hmm. And I mean, it's been a a lifelong thing for me, going back to just my hometown and all the the historic buildings that are there. Um, I grew up in a central Massachusetts town um, that was actually on ghost adventures for 
two of its buildings, the Reed House and the Spalding Cooperage. And those two buildings have, have been kind of proven to be haunted. But this happened after I had worked in there and after I had had experiences in there. So growing up in that kind of environment, I've just kind of hopped around to all of these historic buildings and worked in them just uh, in my field when I was working as a historian. And the shadow figure took place in the Boston Athenaeum, which is a private library. It's one of the oldest library collections in the country. And it took place in their basement. So they have three levels of basement in, in that place, in addition to having five floors of books. And the strange thing about it is that the Athenaeum itself is adjacent to the Granary Hill burial ground where Paul Revere is buried, where John Hancock is buried, Benjamin Franklin's parents, they're all there, Sam Adams. I think I've yeah. been there. Yeah, it, it's the it's the historic cemetery or graveyard in Boston. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I was there. Mm -hmm. And so the Athenaeum, if you're sitting in what they call like the art basement where all the art history books are, you can look out and see Paul Revere's grave. The thing of that is, in order to build the Athenaeum, they had to move family crypts and graves over. Oh, yes. Uh, And at the lowest level of the basement, you can see there are bricks, the old cobbled bricks, but also you can see where they filled in family crypts with the cement like it's they didn't bother paving that over oh wow yeah it's a lot of fun and it was in the basement where i saw the my, my first ever shadow figure this was a, a couple of years ago and it was the classic thing where you walk by and you look and you see just this black it, it looks like someone's wearing a morph suit but the morph suit absorbs all of the light the person or figure was looking around a bookshelf and I looked at it long enough for it to stop and then just kind of go behind the shelf. And of course, being me, I went and looked and there was nobody there. And that's just one of many incidents that's happened in that place for me. This description of them, like you said, the black morph suit that, you know, and I'm sure you've heard other people talk about the blacker than black things. Is that consistent with what you saw? Yes, it was, oddly enough, now, now that I think about it, it was very much like the the figure of the nun that I saw. It's like a silhouette, mm-hmm. as though it's backlit, but it's not. Mm-hmm. So it was very much like that. I only saw the head and the suggestion of a shoulder, and then it disappeared behind the shelf. But it was it's the type of place where if you're in there alone, you're going you're inevitably going to feel like you're not alone. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. Mhm. And there's in addition to the basement, there's the stacks which they call the drum. And that's a multi-level area of storage for books that they're just not showing. But it's hard to describe because it's you know in Name of the Rose, the library they have there. Oh, it's been a few years since I've seen it, but I think so. I think so. It's similarly maze-like, and it has glass flooring, so you can kind of see when people are above you or below you. Oh, wow. That sounds amazing. It's it's very interesting. If you're ever visiting Boston, let me know, because I can get you in. (laughs) But the thing about it is that it can be very disorienting. And when I was there... That, that, w- that was really where I had my second most intense experience was on the third floor of the drum itself 
and uh, I don't know. It's just, it, you, you often will see things out of the corner of your eye as though things are advancing on you when there's nobody there. So what was this other experience, if you don't mind? Uh, I was up at the top, and I was looking for a specific book on one of the lower shelves, so I was kind of bent over. And I thought I got a head rush, but it felt like somebody was walking up on me, so I thought it might just be another patron. And as I stood up, I got something like a head rush, but didn't get the fuzzy feeling you usually get. But it felt like there was someone standing right behind me. And I could feel, you know how if somebody's behind you and you feel your their breath on your neck? Yeah. It was that kind of feeling, but there was no breath. So I've had, a, at this point, I had had enough of uh, experiences that I thought, okay, time to go. So I just grabbed the book I was looking for. And as I was going down, I felt, you know how when you can hear something, but there's nothing to hear? Mm-hmm. It was like that as though somebody was shouting at me. Oh, weird. Like a man, I definitely heard a man's voice. And it was just like, I was not wanted there, which is funny. It's never been a really, not single sex, it's nothing like that. It's always been co-educational. But it was just that kind of vindictive feeling of like, you don't belong here, you should get out. And as I was getting to a certain point, I just kind of stopped and I just said, okay, I'm leaving. And as I turned around, I felt as though I could see legs, but I couldn't. Because if the lights on aren't, aren't on in the drum, it's very dark and shadowy. Oh, wow. Now, are there and, other people like in the building when this is happening? Or, or are you basically alone in this place? I've been alone in it many times. I've often come in and turned the lights on when I was a student. And that's always a kind of hit or miss because you just never know what you're going to see when you turn around the corner. Yeah, it sounds creepy, but it's also kind of amazing. Oh, it's really cool. The Athenaeum is an amazing place. Yes, it sounds like it. So are there any, uh, and you said lots of experiences happened there. I'm, I'm guessing they were lesser kind of things. Yes, mostly just seeing things out of the corner of my eye, you know, hearing hearing coughing in places where there weren't any people. There's an amazing staircase in the main area. It's all marble. But if you look up or down at certain points, you can probably give yourself vertigo. It's it's very, it's five floors of just hard marble staircases and brass railings. And I remember looking up and just seeing like heads moving when I knew there was nobody there because you can, because you can hear when people are walking. Mm-hmm. So just little things like that. I think, if anything, it's mostly residual. Right. But the, there's also... So this one thing about the Athenaeum, and this is pr- if you've heard about it online, most people come in asking about the skin book. And that's been advertised on Atlas Obscura, so they get quite a bit of traffic for it. It's a, a book that's bound in human skin in their special collections. It's a biography of a man who requested that his skin be used for the backing of the book and okay, I believe I believe I read about it yeah yeah so that there's there's just a lot of strange things and I mean they've been collecting art and books for centuries now so there has to be some residual energy on some of those books definitely. yeah was it always a, a library 
Yes, it was um, the organize, organization itself existed elsewhere in the neighborhood where it is now in Boston, but it moved to this building, I think, I want to say 1826, so early 19th century. Oh, well, yes, it's it's been there a long time. Mm-hmm. And it's been remodeled. They went through huge remodeling in the, I want to say the end of the 20th century, maybe a little bit after that. But yeah, it's a really amazing place. Next time I'm in Boston, I may have to take you up on that offer because it sounds incredible. Absolutely, even just as a library itself. So do you have any other stories for us? So I think the earliest example I had was definitely at, was at my house. And one thing I've heard between your podcast and listening to Where Did the Road Go is that many times uh, some of the more active hauntings take place in newer houses. Would you say that that's correct? I, that has absolutely borne out, which is, you know, sign, kind of defies logic as far as, you know, you think of ghost stories, you think these old haunted mansions and stuff, but it, it that is absolutely the case. Mm-hmm. And, and that one of the things that kind of perked up my ears when I was listening to that is also that we have a running stream behind my house. Mm-hmm. So the water carries things and it's an old stream that goes through my entire town but i don't know whether or not that's connected so my my house itself was built the house i grew up in grew up in was built in the 80s but it's definitely older farmland that was owned by a few families throughout the town that then split it up so who really knows what could have been there before us right and yeah. it started i remember we moved from more east in the state, moved more inland. So at the time we moved there, it was definitely rural, definitely spooky. I live on a road that's a dead end, and it can't be can't be paved through because of all the rock deposits that are there, and they've tried. <laughs> so it's always like no streetlights. Halloween was always very fun. But we always had kind of a feeling of a different presence there, like a male figure. And... Me meaning like my, my parents and I, my mother, she's, <laughs> she's the one in the horror movie that will get us all possessed or killed or something because she's like, no, no, it's not true. But my dad will, it, things have happened to my dad in the house. Like it started kind of with footsteps in the hallway. I remember when I, when we first moved there and I've definitely seen things like we've seen cats running around. We don't have any cats. We've, I've seen a male figure um, in their bedroom where I thought it was my father. And then it turned out that he wasn't home and also standing in the main area of the house, like just standing there, which is always very spooky to encounter. Yeah. Well, but anytime in you run into any figure that, that shouldn't be there, I mean, with a cat, maybe you can go, how did a cat get in here? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> but, sure. but any, any sort of human, figure human shaped figure it's just creepy as can be because it's you have to go through that you know that quick checklist in your head am i in physical danger because this is a real human that's some for some reason in my house and then you you know the checklist just gets weirder beyond that absolutely especially when it's when it's usually those moments where you think that wasn't dad mm -hmm. yeah so the, the way that the house is laid out especially it's an open concept house. So it's fairly modern. I mean, you can see most parts of the house from where you're standing. And the first time I saw it was, 
I was walking toward the bathroom, which was next to my parents' room, and their door was open. And I thought I saw my dad sitting on their bed facing the wall. So I walked by, and that was odd because he was supposed to be outside or somewhere. And then when I came out and he was gone, I, I, I looked around and I was like, Dad, were you just in your bedroom? Were you looking for something? And he said, no, I've been outside all day. So that especially, because I like ran back up to look, because it was, I remember very clearly seeing the back of a man and the head and the shoulders and everything just sitting there. A similar event happened in the same hallway where when you're standing on the second floor of our house, you can look down into a kind of dining room area. And again, I was walking down the hallway, saw my dad looking up at the hallway in the middle of the room and didn't think a thing of it until I realized he wasn't home and hadn't been home all day. So that sort of thing. And he's, funnily enough, they kind of target him in a way. Nothing really terrible has ever happened, but we we get the disembodied voices, like the, the trick voices, we call them. Mm-hmm. Like, I'll hear my mother calling from the other side of the house and she'll be in the basement, that sort of thing. Right. And yeah. And he's been tapped on the shoulder and my mother was one day putting a drink down on a table and she felt it fly out of her hand, like something slapped her hand and her, her drink went flying. And I think the funniest one though was my dad was sitting at home alone and just heard a giant belch from the other room. <laughs> so whatever it is, I don't think it, it's out to get us because we've been living in that house for over 20 years. Yeah. It doesn't seem, you know, super negative or anything. It's just, it's there. You know? Yeah. It's there. It's a little bit spooky sometimes, but yeah. other than but one one odd thing would he my my dad collects early American glass and now he keeps it in a uh, a vitrine like he has a, a a cabinet for it because he would come around looking at the displays that we had on shelves and everything and the bottles would be turned upside down mm. and I don't know if if you're familiar with early American glass or any kind of pre industrial glass but it's not level it's all lumpy it's all old because it's all made by hand yeah that would make sense yeah yeah so the fact that these things were tipped over and balancing was disquieting and i actually didn't remember this until my dad told me recently like reminded me of it because i remember him getting mad and asking me zoe are you really are you flipping these over you know these are very valuable and i even told him when he told me this the other day, I said, Dad, I was terrified to touch your bottles. <laughs> I couldn't even reach those shelves. What are you talking about? So just odd little things like that. Definitely a playful spirit, but something to grow up with. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, no, that's neat, though, that, you know, when they're moving stuff around and stuff, that's, and again, it's sort of typical of that sort of activity. Yeah, certainly. But I mean, it kind of fed into as well. I've I've always been had an interest in ghosts and the paranormal, and I grew up watching that Scariest Places on Earth, which was probably my first paranormal TV show. I don't know if you're familiar with it. Um, I'm sadly unfamiliar with most paranormal TV. Okay, well, this was this was probably late '90s, early 2000s, and it was highly stylized. But it, it's how I. I was introduced to a lot of the concepts because it was surprisingly in depth, Mm -hmm. but it was hosted by, I'm losing her name, the the lady who played Reagan in The Exorcist. 
Okay. It was hosted by her. Zelda Rumenstein did the narration, and it just it, it just kind of set the tone. So that was kind of a, a gateway show into my paranormal enthusiasm as a kid. Yeah, it would and, probably been pretty early as far as like paranormal TV. Yeah, it was. It was. And there were also books. There's a um, books that go around here. I'm not sure how national they are, but they were written by a man called Robert Ellis Cahill, who used to be the sheriff of Essex County in Massachusetts. And he wrote a, a specific book called Haunted Happenings that covered a lot of places around that my mother ended up bringing me to under duress. And there was one particular image in there of uh, the Joshua Ward House, and it used to be owned by one of the Salem, which the judges of the witch trials, who may or may not be buried under the house. So there's an image of a a woman who had gotten her picture taken as a Polaroid for the real estate company that used to be in that house. It's a it's a, a boutique hotel now, mm-hmm. but it's the most haunting really really what you would think a a wicked witch to look like and i know that that's that's a loaded phrase but just the face is all distorted her hair is huge and like black frizzy hair and like you can't there are no definable features and she's just in a black long black robe it's a very this is a figure besides the real estate person that was no it's it's overlaid overlaid to the the lady Wow. So you, you can't even see the original person who's posing for the photo. Oh, and, oh, wow. Yeah, and I've seen um, images of the Polaroid. Unfortunately, I don't know where the original Polaroid is, but as far as early Photoshop goes, that would be pretty impressive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, so as I said, like it kind of just gave rise to me hopping around to these different... Uh, these different historic homes, and w- one of them I mentioned earlier, the uh, the Reed House. It's a historic home that's kind of like near our downtown Harbor District. Mm-hmm. And I remember in on a class field trip, I was sitting next to my friend's mother, and it was uh, a really warm summer day, and suddenly there was just a cold breeze between us. So I kind of just like I felt it, and I just looked up at. Tiana's mother and said, you know, and you know, as as all creepy small children do to freak out their friends' parents, it was like, there's something sitting here. <laughs> <laughs> I remember her face looking at me and just like in kind of shock, but it turns out that she was a, she she was also a big believer in the paranormal. And I remember her she, later when I was at their house, she was asking me like things about her house were from where they had just moved. And I don't know if it's, you know, if it's kids being kids or what, but I, I, I was giving her answers and she w- she just looked stunned because everything I was saying was correct about how there was a woman in living in her old house that was shut up into the attic w- by her husband when he left. And one day he came home and found her dead because she had a heart attack, you know, that sort of thing. And these turned out to be true. Like she, she, out, she, yeah. she had known the history. Wow, that's weird. It was weird. And I don't, I don't, full stop, I do not claim to be psychic or em, em, like an empath or anything like that in any way. And, but I, I had asked, I, I've asked my parents many times, did I say anything weird as a kid? Like, have I been talking to ancestors, relatives? And they said no. So that would really be the sole 
adolescent prescient moment of my right but yeah yeah who knows how or what you tuned into you know to 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 be able to do that did you say you were a were or are a historian by profession yes i used to work as a historian i've um I, i i have a degree in art history in particular but before that it was just straight history mm-hmm. so i've worked in a lot of historic homes and handled a lot of strange things i think the the spookiest was probably um miles standish's a piece of his burial shroud oh that's wild yeah so so that sort of <laughs> did you know you said when you were young you, you're, you're having your mom take you to these historic homes and stuff do you think that I guess, you know, if we're going to play chicken and the egg, your interest in hauntings and stuff inspired your your interest in history or vice versa? Hmm. That's a good question. I think, I think it might be both because my, my grandmother, I think she, she was the main force in inspiring my interest in the paranormal because she's, she always loves telling ghost stories and like scaring the kids, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And my parents were very much interested in history and my dad being a glass collector but i'm not sure i think there's definitely an interest that is i think they feed into each other i absolutely yeah i can see that absolutely they 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 certainly go well hand in hand yeah they certainly do and i think just where i grew up in in massachusetts in general there's ample time and (laughs) material to work with in that way Yes, yeah. There's a lot of a lot of preserved history. I, I I absolutely love New England. Did you say that you had spent time in Amherst? I did. Yeah, I I lived in Amherst for two years when I was going to grad school, okay. and yeah, and that was that was a real interesting experience because although I didn't have a lot of ghost type activity, I think I I probably just was too busy to really notice i did have a few concentrated definite high strangeness episodes when well for example this this feeds into the the spooky versus the history versus the spooky one day it was beautiful fall day after i had moved there and i decided let's go on a cemetery tour so i took myself around to different cemeteries where they're supposed to be mapped on google which was kind of hit or miss to begin with Mm mm-hmm but there was one in particular, and I still pass by it when I visit, that I just had, you know, in my mind's eye, there was a very a very uh, solid presence there of a young man. So I kind of felt followed by that in a lot of ways. Like, you know how when you see something and you see it, and then it's like, oh, well, I'm coming with you. <laughs> That's kind of the feeling I had. And throughout the day, I was looking for this one specific cemetery that was supposed to be deep in the woods you know very smart and I couldn't find it I couldn't find it I was getting deeper and deeper into the woods and it was getting darker now this was it was October so it was like it was two around 2 p.m so it wasn't all that strange but it got very dark very fast and it suddenly started snowing as soon as I came onto the cemetery I was looking for wow yeah just out of nowhere my uh, friend used to be a cemetery commissioner for the town of what town was that, Allison? Royalston. Royalston. Yeah, for Royalston, he was the cemetery commissioner. 
Mm. And he, he did it specifically so he could basically be in the cemeteries at night and, and not have anybody uh, call him on it. So he, he basically ran ran for cemetery commissioner and and uh, ended up, uh, you, you know, being elected. But uh, mm-hmm. it was for, just for the reason so he could, he could, you know, prowl these cemeteries at night up there. That's great. Yeah, certainly. We have a, an old cemetery in our town that is very... Like it's very monitored. Like our our cemeteries are well canvassed by the police, but this this particular one it was at the end of my friend's road, and it's the old meeting house Hill Road, so definitely the old part of town. And the oldest, I believe, the oldest gravestone there was 1735. And one one Halloween, we were kind of hiding in the back because we didn't want the cops to see us. We weren't doing anything because we were in middle school at the time, so mm-hmm. we and we were kind of nerdy kids so we didn't really have much to get up to but similarly I had never been in a cemetery at night before and it used to be a huge phobia of mine (laughs) (laughs) so you can imagine what what I was seeing or what my mind was seeing in the woods at that for that particular Halloween I still remember it well the character definitely changes at night uh, of these places if you're not ready for it you know it it can definitely change I always use Gettysburg as an example it's you know one feeling during the day and then the sun goes down and the whole place just changes. It becomes very, very creepy at night. Mm, I've, I've visited Gettysburg once with my father who at the same time is a, a civil war enthusiast, Gettysburg especially. And although I didn't, I wasn't, I wasn't there at night. I was there at dusk and it was at the same time filled with fireflies. It was right before the, the the I think they have a festival there during the anniversary of yeah. the battle itself. Yeah, every year uh, around July Fourth. Yeah, it, it's it becomes a huge uh, thing there. Yeah. Yes, we were there right before that, and just the fireflies were out. It was actually quite peaceful. Like you, it was, it was nice. But I, <laughs> I'm still a, a little bit salty about that trip because I I brought probably four or five film cameras with the intent of getting some ghostly photos, and I didn't get anything. Yeah. This was also about 10 or 11 years ago, so t- phone technology was definitely not what it is now. Mm-hmm. So I can think of digital as a um, as an option at that time. But there that video that came out a couple of years ago that somebody actually got on camera of the, the figures, the shadowy figures on Gettysburg. I've seen a bunch of different ones, so I'm, I'm not sure... I'm exactly like I exactly know which one you're talking about. I think any of them would cover it. It, it just it it's, it was interesting because when I saw it, I just thought, "Oh my god, this is what I've been seeing." Oh wow! This okay. is what I've been seeing my whole life, and so that I mean, there's definitely it's there. It's all there. I mean, the one thing that happened to me one when I was in Gettysburg was we were not we weren't in the center of town because it was all booked up, mm-hmm. and we were on the Econa Lodge. <laughs> we were in an Econa Lodge, so just kind of a standard motel. But I remember kind of waking up in a similar type, you know, in between dream and sleep state and seeing a Confederate soldier standing at the end of my bed. And I was in the same room with my parents, but I just kind of, you know, when you see something like that and you're on autopilot. Right. I just kind of rolled out of bed and into the bathroom because I was right next to it. And I stayed in the bathroom for about an hour <laughs> <laughs> wow. just like, 
and I, I kept peeking out and I could it, same it was the same thing you know pitch black room so you don't really know what your mind or your eyes are going to matrix for you mm-hmm. but I remember peeking out a couple of times and so the next morning my my dad asked me like what were you doing <laughs> and I told him because he's he's more receptive to that sort of thing and he just kind of looked at me and said well it was a that road was a marching site for them that's how they got into Gettysburg I was like oh yeah yeah <laughs> the number of stories I've heard of people so once again this kind of plays into that like modern house having more more hauntings or, or having you know certainly as many hauntings as older houses the number of stories where people talk about these soldiers interacting with people in either modern places, like say the Econo Lodge, like you just told, <laughs> or uh, I had a stunning story that somebody told me of a pickup truck that somebody saw a soldier hiking along the road, and they thought it was a hitchhiker. They thought it was a reenactor, and they <laughs> said they picked the guy up. He got in the back of the pickup truck. He, they, he said, I think they, you know, he said, we're going to Gettysburg. You want to get it? And he's like, yeah. And he got in the, the back of the pickup truck and they get to where they're going and they stop and there's nobody back there. Mm-hmm. And it's just this weird, like, so if the, <laughs> I mean, that's certainly not, that's something interacting in a sense, you know, like that's a very, very bizarre thing where, where this, you know, this old soldier would climb in the back of a, a pickup truck. It's just mm-hmm. very bizarre. It is. And I'm not sure. I, I'm sure that happens often around because I had never really engaged with uh, Civil War history until I went down south because we just don't have those. Uh, we don't have that opportunity up here. Mm-hmm. But you have the Revolutionary War battle sites and those that that does happen quite often where we'll have reenactments, but also there will be people asking like for example i was um, stuck in traffic in concord massachusetts around the old center um and i was just look, kind of looking out the window and zoning out at, at this very leafy green fields that or hill that was next to the old cemetery there and i just saw out of my like my field of vision a any a british soldier in the the red jacket just sprinting up the hill oh, like wow. musket and everything and I just kind of stared and I was like, and I asked my friends, is there a reenactment today? They said, no. I was like, okay. And then <laughs> I, it was the end of a long day and I was tired. So I just kind of fell asleep. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. So, as, as happens sometimes. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. um, there was a specific reason I was asking about Amherst. What year were you there? I was there from 2015 to 2017. Okay. So more recently. All right. So, <laughs> The, the reason I was asking is I was just talking to someone last week who lived uh, on Cape Cod, but we were talking about all these abandoned mental institutions around Massachusetts. These, you know, uh, I think they were all built in the 1800s. They're very, you know, creepy looking. But there was one right there in Northampton. I think by the time you were there, it's either apartments or, or condos or something now. They turned oh, bless in. those people. What's that? Bless the people living in those. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> well, we used to... The, I had a a friend who would always tell me about this abandoned Gothic mental mental institution because she went to one of the colleges up there. I, you know, I forget which which one in the area. And I always thought she was pulling my leg. You know, I thought, what are you talking about? This can't be real. And then I went up there, 
And uh, a, a friend in the area was like, hey, do you want to go to this abandoned mental institution? I was like, what? Yeah. And, you know, and right then I was like, oh, my gosh, she wasn't lying. She was telling the truth about this place. But they were oh, very, yeah. very, very creepy. Yeah, sadly, that's a that's a fairly common sight around, um, especially central Massachusetts and more toward the border of Connecticut, because, I mean, in Massachusetts was an industrial state. You still see the factories everywhere, even near where I grew up, and that's more rural. So, I mean, there have been great strides of late making, like reconverting those buildings and making them more livable and mm-hmm. really kind of reviving communities, but... Yeah, that's that that was a that's been a big problem especially like in the past decade. That kind of reform has been prominent. Mm-hmm. But um I think th- as far as Amherst goes, I know the town of Athol has been mentioned oh, on yeah. this a few times. Yeah. Yeah, and I lived where I lived in Amherst was very close to Leverett. So every time I was driving from my parents' house to my apartment, I would drive through Athol. And that is just, that's a very strange area in that it's, ve- it's very wooded and it's just one long road mm-hmm. once you get off of the highway. And as far as like, uh, most of my experiences have definitely been ghostly and I've sadly never had any, any Bigfoot encounters of any kind, but I, my first ever real kind of, um, I would say UFO related experiences were out there. Oh, because really? Oh yeah, because it's just so it's so open, and we're right next to an airfield. So I was in my apartment. I had a huge backfield. I was really set in the woods, and I definitely saw a few times things that I thought were drones go over the field, but were kind of a little bit too big. Mm -hmm. And not having UFOs on the brain—that that's what my brain told me. But I would also get the um like the clicking and the beeping sounds right outside my apartment like on my porch and i would also get flashes of light as though they were camera bulbs Mm -hmm. outside of my windows and i was on i was in an apartment above the the garage in an otherwise rather large house i was in an in-laws apartment that i was renting and it's it's not something that ever came to mind until I was listening to some people who you've interviewed on this show that was like, oh, my God. Yeah. That happened to me. <laughs> so yeah. Just, yeah. yeah weird, like, weird lights are a thing. Mm-hmm. But I haven't really experienced that before or since, as, since, leaving, since moving out of that apartment. Now, being close to an airfield, how much do you think either at the time or looking back on it, do you think like, well, maybe it was just something I misidentified or, or was it apparent to you that these weren't normal planes? It's, I mean, it's very possible. This was also at the time that Amazon was testing out actually te- their drones. Mm-hmm. So it could have been something like that, but just everything that I've read about UFOs, I mean, the open fields, the wooded areas, the just kind of odd feeling you get there. Right. And I know other people had mentioned things like that as well. So I'm not saying it was, but right, I'm, right. I'm not ruling it out either. Right. Just just noting that this happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that happening specifically to me. But other than that, it's, it's really just been paranormal. And it's the sort of thing where, from experiences I've had, just like, for, for example, 
seeing things, it, most of my experiences have been, I see something like I see it with my eyes. It's not usually not an, in my mind's eye type of thing. And then later I realize, Oh, that's not what it was. I, I'm always dancing around whether or not to get more into it. <laughs> mm-hmm. No. And, and that's common too. And then the further you get away from something, you start going, maybe it wasn't, maybe it was this, maybe it was that. I mean, I, th- I think that's just a very natural progression of the way. Like I said, there's that checklist you go through initially. And when you can't explain it at the time, I think retrospectively you, you, you're thinking about it and it's like, well, maybe it wasn't that, maybe it was this, maybe it was that. And the further you get away from something, the more you, I think you reason it away in a sense. Absolutely. But, and, and then at the same time I'll have instances, and this has been the majority for me where it's been proven to be something that I couldn't explain. Mm-hmm. Like, well, yeah. Yeah. or that was later backed up by, Oh no, that place is real haunted. Right. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. I'm not, you know, it's just the sort of game I think we play with ourselves, you know, when dealing with this stuff, you know, certainly there's been things that, you know, the, the pandemonium episodes is, I have to keep telling myself it's undeniable what you heard, you know, those wood knocks, that was something swinging wood into something else. But, you know, I'm far enough away from it now where I'm saying, well, maybe could it have been something else, you know, and this this sort of doubt creeps in, but, but then, you know, I have to put myself back in the place in the moment. It's like, no, you heard what you heard. That's what it was. Absolutely. And for me, it's really giving myself that permission to be, to say, I saw what I saw. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, yeah, it's always been, I've always had the mentality of like, of, I want to believe Mm -hmm. that, which is the, the refrain of, I think all paranormal investigators to some extent, And, but at, at the same time, everything I've seen, like with my eyes, not even in a a psychic kind of sense, I have to give myself that room to just say, yeah, this is what I saw. This is what it is. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Mm. But mostly, I think mostly for me, aside from what I've shared, as far as interacting with things, the, it's been residual, like, um, and it it always lines up with what you have said about water, especially. So, for example, the um, next to the Reed House where I freaked out my friend's mom, I my first summer job was at a an old cooperage from the early 18th century that's um, gone through ser- different series of antique shops. It's always on the holiday list for the town historical society, and. Have you have you ever been inside a Cooper's? Do you know how they're set up? I have not. So a Cooper's, they used to make the barrels. Right. And, right. Yeah. And so they have the big furnace in the center, and all around it, it there's multi-chambered fireplaces where men could work uh, at the same time. So it's a circular building with water rushing under it. It was my first summer job, and mostly what I did was like keeping the place clean because the timber the timbers were constantly shaking and making everything dusty. So mm-hmm. that's a problem when you're working in an antique store. And aside from that, we had a hearse, a 19th century hearse, in there that the historical society stored because the building was owned by them. And b- besides the odd tapping noise I'd hear on the glass of that every once in a while. Um, <laughs> The, the weirdest thing I would experience would be the, I called him the mystery shopper. So 
I would be cleaning or arranging or something. And it's the type of building where if someone comes in, you hear it because it's very creaky. And what I would get would be, I'd see someone out of the corner of my eye, as it always is, and they would be walking on the other side of the circular structure. And we had a, a back room that had been added on at a different time, just kind of a storage shed that connected with the main building. And I'd see the person go in. It was a pro- definitely a man. And I would approach them like I would any customer. And that was at the time not open to customers. So I'd just say, hello, sir. Sorry, that's not open. And of course, there'd be no one there. And this had to happen two or three times for me for it to get through my head. Like, maybe this isn't normal. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. And the other odd water related incident, and this was kind of my first real wake up moment for myself where I was like, okay, no, this isn't normal. This is not something I'm seeing was um, in Easton, Massachusetts on the Cape in the Captain Peniman house. He was a whaler. So it's a beautiful little home in, in, in the National Historic Preservation Area. And the thing of it is, though, is that the home is still there, but all the furniture has since been sold off. But his family like lived there for generations, and his daughter, she stayed in the house. She was kind of, she never married. It was her house. She ran the roost. And as the tour guide was telling us about this, he was standing on the porch with the door open and the staircase in the back. I kept seeing a woman's legs walking up and down the stairs. Oh, wow. And yeah, and this kept happening. I was looking at my friends like to see if they were noticing it too, because uh, having worked in museums and historic houses, I thought it was a docent, but it, it wasn't. As, as more as I noticed, she was wearing the kind of old style shoes, the stockings, the skirt, and it just, that, that, I didn't tell my friends about it until a week later. So you couldn't see the top part of her body or you saw disembodied legs? I couldn't see the top part of her body. Okay. Yeah, just, just, we have to check because there have been disembodied leg stories. No, that I would have like grabbed onto my friend and just said, (laughs) now. But that, yeah, I've had a lot of that. That's been a weird pattern for me is the not being able to see the top half of a person, but definitely being able to see their legs. Because I, things are in the way or, you know, something's blocking your view. Something. Yep. It's either blocking my view or I just don't see it. Like you, I can't, it doesn't process. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And I think the most, um, probably disturbing experiences of that I had was, um, when I was living in Paris, I was there as a student and weirdly enough, like i I went through the historic palaces. I went through so many places. I went through the catacombs. And though there were definitely odd feelings because these places are hundreds of years old, like it, the, I, I went to places that were, that were ancient settlements. In, well, not ancient, but like built on top of ancient settlements. They were settlements on, in the 12th and 13th centuries. Like you can just feel that history. Mm-hmm in so many ways and just from the people who have been there. But the only real encounter I think I had was I was walking along the banks of the Seine and I was going up to um, a staircase that would take me on a more direct route to where I was living. And at that time when I was living in Paris, that was, that was 2013, 2013. 
Um, it was winter and everything was under construction for some reason. It <laughs> Paris was not having a good time. And I had cut through some of the construction on the riverbank trying to get to this, uh, the, the staircase. And as I was going up, I heard like kind of wet flopping sound. And I look over and standing under the bridge, same thing, like I could only see from the knee- knees up was a pair of the filthiest legs I've ever seen in my life. Like no shoes, no trousers to speak of, just like caked with grime. And it was below freezing on that day. Wow. Yeah. And so I don't, I thought about it a lot because I didn't really know what to make of it, but it stopped me in my tracks because I just felt this intense feeling of danger, Mm -hmm. like enough to freeze me before I just kind of ran up the stairs as fast as I could because they didn't advance. They just kind of stopped. And I mean, Paris is is a strange city just because of the history of it, but also you have so many things you have, the cataphiles who are people who will live in the catacombs. Okay. So I thought, yeah, I thought of that. And I thought of probably, you know, a homeless person maybe, but it, like it was freezing. So, and usually you don't see them as much, especially not semi nude. Mm-hmm. And I know, and I know how it sounds, but so I tried to like, I did the checklist, I did everything, but just the feeling, the gut feeling of panic that I felt in that moment was poignant. Yeah. Mm. When you talk about that old history, it's a lot of times, you know, when people from, say, the West Coast will visit the East Coast, and if they go to some place like Gettysburg, or if they go to, you know, some the places in New England and stuff, and they say, wow, you, you know, your history here is so much older. You know, I've had them say that to me. And then you think, like, wow, you go to some place like Paris, you know, in Europe, where they have just that modern towns built on top of iron age settlements and just people have been living there well since before we recorded history but you mm-hmm. know it's just amazing that kind of history that goes back yeah it's i think of it kind of like a layers of humanity mm-hmm. and in i mean especially in a kind of a grim way it got i had the idea when i was in the catacombs it was just like god we're just standing on a bunch of corpses aren't we and in paris you literally are yeah yeah Mm. Yeah. And that's not to be dismissive of, uh, you know, Native American First Nations culture here. Of course, that goes back several thousands of years as well. But sadly, we just don't have the, the same records that we yeah, have. Yeah. But even still, and you get that, you do get that a lot. I mean, when, where I was living in Amherst and you even to a certain extent where I grew up. I mean, the, the cemetery I mentioned, there's an Indian burial mound in the back. Mm-hmm. So there's that. And then when I was living in Amherst. I would also like, like I would get the feeling that there was some kind of presence like that in our driveway, which sounds, I know, I know how that sounds. It could have been anything, but we were so close to Deerfield that I couldn't really not consider it. Right. Because it, I mean, it's, it is ancient. I mean, the earth is ancient and it retains so much. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's, I'm reading a book now about all these, you know, the stone structures that are all over New England that, it seems like they're finally just coming around to saying, like, well, maybe these the first settlers didn't build these, you know, the, these stone chambers and, and stone walls and stuff that are just everywhere. Mm-hmm. That was very, very interesting. The, the, the concept is, uh, you know, maybe they weren't, you know, around here I've been told my whole life, well, those are just farm walls. The, the You know, old farmers built them. But 
you know, some of them you look at them, it's like they run through the middle of the woods, and it's like yeah, maybe, maybe they were farm walls, but this, you know, that's a lot of work to put into something that, that's just going to be a you know a border between the your field and your neighbors. Oh, certainly. I grew up a, across the street from a stone wall like that, and it, we have them. We have old foundations going right up to the stone quarry I mentioned at the dead end, where they just they can't even blast it, like they, to get through to make a road. Mm-hmm. It's just. But no, I know exactly what you mean in that sense, and you you get that feeling, especially like I said, when you're driving through the really old parts of the state, like like through Athol, like through Leverett, mm-hmm. and. It just kind of, it's definitely the feeling of the, the forest definitely can consume you in that way. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I've had some beautiful hikes up, uh, up above Athol there. Mm. I think as far as ghosts go, I do have a, cu- a couple of other stories, but I don't want to take up too much of your time. Well, give us one more. Um, okay. Well, I have, I have, uh, one that's a historic house and I have another that I mentioned to you in a previous email that this particular mercurium retrograde has a body count. Yeah. Yes. Which I, I I have to agree so much. So many people uh, uh, recently have been like, wow, this, this has been a quite a mercury and retrograde season here. It has. I'll tell you, I'll tell you about that one um, because it involves another first for me as it is funny too, how, listening to because I've I've had listened to your show for a while especially after I came to Strange Familiars through last podcast on the left um, which I'm sure a lot of people have the flannel man episodes and was immediately hooked between that and where did the road go and just listening to it it really does put your head in the game and I I think it puts it, it kind of has opened me up a lot to experiences without kind of even trying have you experienced that from other listeners I think so yeah yeah I, I it's Without entering, you know, braggart territory, um, I'm very, very pleased to be associated with Where Did the Road Go? Because I think uh, Soraya has opened my mind in regards to this stuff, and then via that uh, that way of thinking, I think we've together opened listeners' minds, you know, in a sense. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I like I said, I had never quite been interested in the ufo bigfoot phenomenon as much but the the correlations make sense mm-hmm. and as, as i said the, the uh the beeps and the boops and the clicking and the flash bulbs outside my house is like oh <laughs> right well there's that but this one what happened just kind of in the shadow of mercury retrograde and this um this past cycle which i think we're coming out of pretty soon was three non-related deaths that were both associated with me through two degrees of separation. And they were all probably the same cause, which is reflective of both of our times and also kind of of just the weird coincidences that have been going on, I think, for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. Um, The first was a friend, her brother uh, down south, he passed away, most likely from an overdose, although we won't know until the toxicology comes back. But when she went down there, she found that he was a practitioner of witchcraft and um, other things, like very spiritual person. He had written a lot of Jungian and very occult-based things that she hadn't known about. Um, she had also told someone if 
and, and he was found, it, it's kind of spooky the way he was found. He had a knife like pressed defensively out where he was found, but he probably most likely died of an overdose because mm. he was, um, he was an addict who had been clean and, and relapsed. And he had told someone, if I'm found dead, it's not an accident. That's very strange. It was very strange. We still, it, like, this was probably toward the beginning of October, and we still don't know exactly. It's still open, so we're not sure. Um, but what happened after that was even stranger. My friend, the sister, she was having dreams where he was trying to tell her something, and he couldn't. And... She told me this on a day where I had been walking through, there's a, near where I work, there's like a, a, there's a university and there's a kind of student common area where the public can go in and sit down and have lunch. And as I was walking toward the door where my um, building is, I saw my friend and her son sitting at a table and the little boy who's uh, one of her two she has two sons. This was the elder. I was looking at him and like, he looked enough like him that for me to approach the table. And as I looked at this little boy, his face changed with his expression and it wasn't him. Hmm. And so I looked at who I thought was my friend and realized that what I was seeing looked a lot like her, but she has recently lost a lot of weight, but this would have been before she lost the weight. And it was really, it was like uncanny valley type of area. Right. But that was my first kind of incident of doppelganger that had ever happened mm-hmm. or anything close to it. So I didn't think about it. I didn't text her about it. I meant to the whole day, but then just didn't get to it until she told me about the dream she had been having. So that kind of shook me up because it was just a weird thing that had never happened to me before. Right. Cut to um, a couple of weeks ago. My cousin, second cousin, was found in a, a car and had also been an addict that had relapsed. And he was found dead in a car. Mm. The only way they were able to identify him was through a, he had some kind of letter on him. That was really weird. Another thing that, that hasn't really been closed yet. And then this past week, my roommate, who I've known my whole life, her cousin passed away, clean, relapsed, same deal. Wow. Yeah, and it was just, it's just like that weird rule of three thing, mm-hmm. you know? So, I don't know what it means, but I know it means something. Right, <laughs> yeah, and that's the thing with, I mean, I, I guess we all have addicts in our life, and mm-hmm. it's, I mean, it's, it's a terrible reality and especially now when when they're putting the i guess the fentanyl's getting in you know into things mm, and people mm-hmm. don't know what they're taking necessarily at any at any uh, time you know they don't know that the dosage is going to be the same as it was i mean there's <coughs> there's a very real <laughs> this world sad element to it like if if you know addicts it's it's just a it's just a you know it's never a story well there's very few happy endings. Let's put it that way. Yeah, absolutely. And it's a reflection of the time, but it was also just so strange because they were all in three different states. Right, right. So it, it just occurred to me. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not trying to remove the weirdness element, you know, of these, the you know, the connectedness of those particular ones. But it, you know, I just having you know addicts in my own life, you mm-hmm. know, it it just every time I hear these stories, it's just you know a punch in the stomach. Oh yeah, absolutely, and that's kind of how it was like when my cousin told me, like I got the news when I was talking to a friend who I had told about these other occurrences and he said, well, well then it's over. That's the third one. Mm. And so far, I mean, knock on wood, but yeah, when you had said that via email, I didn't know you meant a literal body count. I thought you were sort of, uh, you know, metaphorically saying like, you know, just a lot of bad luck stuff that happened, but I didn't know you meant a, a literal body count associated with yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately. I mean, and as far as everything else, I mean, Mercury in retrograde, it's, it's kind of a trending subject now, but mm-hmm. like this out of those incidents aside, the, the coincidences that I've, I've had through this one have just been kind of con- like, um, synchron like synchronicities essentially. Yeah. But, yeah. Well, I've definitely like this time around is I've certainly had more people comment on it mm-hmm. than in recent times anyway. Mm, I wonder why I'm not, I I'm interested in astrology, but I'm definitely not <laughs> talented enough to divine what might be going on. Yeah. Yeah. I have this, it's, I won't say a contentious relationship with it, but uh, I was very, very dismissive of astrology until um, I have a friend who's like probably the smartest person I've ever met, uh, like super, super smart guy. And I was kind of saying it, you know, bahumbunging it to him. And he said, well, now wait a minute. You know, we used to really live by the calendar, you know, before, before modern times, we, we really depended and lived by that calendar. And it got me thinking, I was like, well, you know what, maybe, maybe there is something to this. Yeah. I think as far as, I mean, in my very limited knowledge of physics and science in general, I, just the way that things can be affected, I mean, by the weather or by, you know, what, what me- what's going on meteorologically, like pressure in the atmosphere. Mm-hmm. I, I don't see how the movement of celestial bodies would not affect us. I mean, we have the moon that's changing the tides. We have all these things going on, and we don't even really know what dark matter is. Right, exactly. Yeah. So. To that point, I can't rule it out. Plus, I think it's just fun. Like, <laughs> oh, it's, it's it's absolutely interesting, and uh, you know, to his credit, he, he kind of opened my mind to it a little bit because now, you know, I definitely think about it more now. Like, well, maybe there's more to it than I was thinking. So, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I have that Costara app on my phone, and it it gives me push notifications. I don't know how to turn them off, but they're all <laughs> <laughs> they're always just like so. Most of the time. It's just like, oof, I did not need to read that, but thank you. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Funny. Well, Zoe, thank you so much for sharing your stories. Well, thank you so much for having me on, Tim. If you like what you're hearing on Strange Familiars and you'd like to support the show... You can do so by becoming a patron at Patreon. That's patreon.com slash strangefamiliars. For $3 a month, you can get full extra episodes of Strange Familiars. We do at least one full episode every month for our patrons. We try to do more. I think we should be able to get two full episodes out for the patrons in February. If not, there'll be two in March, I think. And there are all different levels of support at Patreon as well. If you want to go above $3, you can get things like pins and stickers, 
patches, t-shirts, copies of my books, copies of my music. Go ahead and check it all out at patreon.com slash strangefamiliars. And of course, we want to thank our patrons for their support. Thank you so much. You guys keep the show going. You make Strange Familiars happen. If you want to help us out and you don't like the idea of a monthly subscription like Patreon, you can go to strangefamiliars.com, look in the show notes under every episode where you'll see a paypal.me link. And using that, you can make a one-time donation via PayPal. Everyone can help by sharing the show on social media, by liking and subscribing wherever you listen to podcasts, whether it's Stitcher or Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts, Google Play Podcasts. I really should learn what Google yeah, Plus are. Everyone else is able to handle this. <laughs> it's like they just look up where people get podcasts and I, then they read through those. Well, you don't even know. You say every time well, you say, I use my phone. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's why you're the host around the coast. <laughs> Wherever you listen to podcasts, please like and subscribe and leave on us On your old Bakelite radio. <laughs> <laughs> if, hey, if you can find podcasts on your old radio, more power to you. Make sure to leave us those nice five-star reviews because those help get the podcast in front of new potential listeners. Thanks for listening, everybody. Before we go, I want to thank Eric C. for his PayPal donation. He makes regular PayPal donations. So yes, that's very kind. Thank you very much, Eric C. That's a huge help. And it's time for the photo of the week. Before we talk about this week's photo, I do want to note that a few of the other photo of the weeks are still available. I don't know if people think, oh, somebody will get it before me, before I'll ever have a chance, but the <laughs> Unzi cyanotypes are still available. They're at our Etsy store, and... I think the dark fairy photo and maybe one more. If you go to our Etsy store, shop name Lost Grave and the, the links in the show notes. If you go to our Etsy store, there's a category for photo of the week. You can just click on it and you can see what's available. Some of the past photo of the weeks are available. And this photo for this week's pretty cool. It's, well, it's not a ghost. It's a ghostly, we'll say. Yeah, I call it like a Lilydale fever dream. Can you explain that? Oh, like it's the town where all the spiritualists were from. It reminds me of like three women, like spiritualists. But it could just be, you know, so much feminine energy that some people are disappearing. (laughs) But that sounds very strange familiar. (laughs) It's a very cool, very ghostly photo. And it's three women, two in profile and one kind of facing forward. Yeah, I can't tell if they're sisters. They look very similar, or if it's a trick photography thing where it's actually the same woman. Maybe they could be doing a séance. Yeah. We don't know. Yeah, they could be for the purposes of this. There could there could be a Ouija board between them. We, Definitely, you can't, you can't see. Yeah, it could have disappeared already. <laughs> exactly. You don't know, but no, it's a really cool photo of three women, thirteen dollars, mm-hmm. thirteen dollars, and postage. You can find it at strangefamiliars.com. It'll be in the show notes. And it'll be a link to the Etsy store. Good way to start a collection. Where we will have the photo there. Yeah, the Strange Familiars photo of the week. Start a cool photo collection and help the show at the same time. We will return soon with more Strange Familiars. Once again, thank you, Sloom.com. Remember, enter code Strange Familiars, all one word, Strange Familiars, for 10% off at Sloom.com. And Sloom is S-L-O-O-M-B? S-L-O-O-M-B dot com. Strange Familiars is a production of Dark Holler Arts, music, books, art, podcasts, and more. 
darkcolorarts.com. Intro and background music is by Stonebreath. You can find more at stonebreath.bandcamp.com. We are on Facebook, facebook.com slash strangefamiliars, where you can also join the Strange Familiars Gathering Group. And we are on Instagram, at strangefamiliars. flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.